0: If you're a busy woman raising children and you want to learn to reverse engineer how you want to feel in all areas of your life, listen up. For the first time ever, I am teaching my energetic time management process. Not only am I teaching it live, but you're getting one-on-one access to me Yes, you heard that correctly. You can reach out to me personally and get feedback on how this process is working in your life. So head on over to Heather Chauvin, C-H-A-U-V-I-N dot com forward slash workshop. As soon as you register, you are going to get a pre-recorded training video that you can watch over and over and over again that also has an accompanied PDF, step-by-step. I'm literally showing you step-by-step. You're also going to be um, given the details to reach out to me one-on-one and my team so we can support you as you're integrating this work in your busy schedule And we're also going to be throwing in two live group Q&A calls. So come ask your questions. I'm going to show you how to integrate energetic time management, not just at home, but in your work as well. Ask all your questions, and I'm there to help you live in alignment with how you want to feel. Head on over to Heatherchauvin.com forward slash workshop and join us live today in May. Welcome, everyone. For those of you who are not familiar, I am Heather Chauvet, and today I'm excited. This is called Emotional Intelligence and Parenting, but I'm not here by myself. We have Diane and Christy with us, um, and they both have been in my world for a while in very unique uh, situations, and we're coming together today to talk about parenting. So we're going to be going over a little bit on, I'm reading my notes because they're in front of me. What I said we're gonna talk about is we're gonna learn how to understand your child or your teen's feelings and actions, aka behaviors, so you can respond thoughtfully instead of reacting. You're gonna, we're gonna dive a little bit deeper in discovering ways to handle our own intense feelings and build a stronger connection with our children and our teens And we are going to learn strategies for effective communication and co-parenting, especially when both parents have um, different parenting styles. So you're going to want pen and paper with you. Um, If you've registered for this conversation, you will have access to the replay and you can listen to it again and again. And we're going to be talking for about 30-ish minutes. And then after, if people are like, well, what's next, then we can have a conversation about the next step. Now, this is also like huge pink elephant in the room. This is not a quick fix, and this is not like a a three simple tips. So a lot of times these conversations get really triggering, really heated. Uh, We have our own belief systems around parenting and our own current situations, and it can be incredibly frustrating. So who am I? Why should you listen to me? Well, I just said I'm Heather and Some of you have no idea who I am. You're just you found me somehow. Um I'm a mother of 3. My children are currently almost 19, 14 and 11, three boys, and author of a book called Dying to be a Good Mother. Podcast is called Emotionally Uncomfortable. And my story in a nutshell was I actually became a mother when I was 18 years old and That was the first opening for me. But I just remember looking at my son thinking, I don't want to become a statistic. I didn't want to be a team mom statistic. And I also, my biggest primal fear was failing as a mother, like feeling like I wasn't good at this. And since that moment, which was almost, again, 19 years ago, um, I've been on this personal development journey. And my First in was parenting, and then after I decided that I wanted to leave my job as a social worker, I started a business and I started teaching meditation and mindfulness to children and teens. And that just continuously grew and grew and grew, and it was one foot in front of the other until 10 years ago, while I was building my business, my health took a turn. And the turn in my health was a stage four cancer diagnosis, And I had nine years of personal development and parenting, conscious parenting under my belt. And I just remember that moment where I'm like, we have been sold the biggest lie. And the biggest lie that we have been sold is that parenting is only about the child. And I believe there are two sides to every story. We have the child, their behavior, what is going on inside of their mind, their body, their soul, and how we need to learn, right? We need to learn that the language of their behavior, which is something I'm incredibly passionate about. But there's also this other side of us as the parent, right? We are a soul having a human experience. We are emotional beings. We are trying to see and understand the world, and we are constantly projecting. Our own fears and our own guilt and our own overwhelm and our own unfulfillment um, onto our children and other people. So, parenting is a relationship, it's you and this other human being that you are like guiding throughout the world. And so, when I got my diagnosis, and that was how my book came about, Dying to be a Good Mother is that we are literally dying as adults it doesn't matter who you are or how children have come into your world you are dying to be good for these people and i believe that children are here to trigger the crap out of us to show us to grow as spiritual beings as human beings to become better so that we can see and understand their behavior and also um yeah just create what we want which is more connection, and more in control of our emotional states as well while we go after our dreams and the life that we want. So I see the isolation in the parenting community of talking solely about the child um, and a lot of shame and blame around the parent and also a lot of just solely focusing on the parent and how they need to change and how they need to stop projecting and all the things. And I like to bring both together. So we also have two different perspectives here today. We have Diane and we have Christy as well. So Diane, can you just introduce yourself, um, who you are? I know you have a podcast as well and your um, how you found me and how we got connected.
1: All right. Okay. Hello, everybody. I'm Diane Sorensen, and I am a connected relationships and parenting coach. And my background is in early childhood education and behavioral science. And I spent 30 years in the early education arena. Um, And in that time, I found my relationships uh, not working. Um, and first, I was working as a teacher and then as a uh, behavior specialist. Um, and so I eventually went looking for answers and found Conscious Discipline, which is a relationship based program. It's about emotional development and implemented that in my life, implemented it in my um, classroom, and then taught other staff um, this approach. I uh, found Heather. um, As I was doing all of this, I was noticing that I too needed to go deeper in my own journey. And, um, you know, as the universe would have it, it just kind of gave me these gifts and um, I won't go into the details of how I found Heather, but she just kind of showed up in my world on a podcast. And, you know, I eventually decided to work with her um, and really found the power of coaching um, and decided that it was something that I wanted to uh, to imp- implement in my life and do in my life, and at the same time, I started having people ask me if I they would work with you know if I would work with them, and so I eventually left the um, education system, and I'm now coaching full time. So, on a personal note, I am a wife. I am a mother of three growing children who have taught me oodles. Um, And I am also a mother, stepmother of three grown stepchildren. I'm a grandmother of 10 beautiful humans ranging from the ages of one to 18 who continue to teach me oodles of things. So that's me.
0: I love that. And I I, one of the things people say to me, like, they're like, oh, I didn't do this work when my children were small. And they're like, oh, it's too late. It's too late. And you were living proof that it's never too late. And we could spend so much time going into like the deepness of this. Um, But you inspire me constantly, Diane, because as you continue to do the work, you have seen transformation in your adult children too. So I tell people all the time, it's never too late. Christy. So Christy, yeah. Christy, talk a little bit about yourself and then I'm just going to talk about how awesome both of you are, but go ahead.
2: Okay. Hi everyone. So my name is Christy Simons and I am a mom first and foremost, and also a teacher currently transitioning, however, out of corporate to really, um, yeah, just grow my, my business of being a teen life coach, which has been so rewarding and my big passion for the last little while, Um, So I actually found Heather, um, well, she's been in my world for a while, but I really dove into um, her work and into Mastery after I became a mom for the first time in 2020. And, you know, this, her work has brought just so much to my life, such a different perspective and such a new way of thinking. And really, truly what it helped me to do was to heal myself and really to find the passion and the purpose that I was so needing in my life. Um, I experienced a pretty significant sexual trauma when I was a teenager, and um, moving forward, I am always just so focused on helping teens to really truly embody and feel their best and to feel confident in their lives, and I often hear um, You know, in conversation with other people that, you know, oh, it's just the teen years. It's just, you know, everybody goes through struggles and this, that and the other thing. And of course, there's always going to be challenges there. But I just don't feel like, you know, something like that needs to be everybody's story. I feel like there needs to be more education and In my personal view and from being a teacher for the last 12 years, I just know that the education system isn't set up in a way to teach them um, some of the life skills and the emotional regulation skills and just, you know, the mental resilience that you need as you're, you know, diving into the complexities of moving from one identity um, to another. So, um, that is sort of where um, my work has started to really grow. And it's yeah, just something that I'm so passionate about. And I know that Heather wants to add, I can tell that <laughs> you're ready to dive in. No,
0: I'm just really excited.
2: Um, Christy, what is your podcast called? Oh, yeah. And I am the host of the confident teen podcast. As okay. Well. And Diane, what is yours?
3: Yeah,
0: I always forget that. I'm the host of the Beautiful Behavior Podcast. Perfect. Okay. So, so many resources already. I want to dive into a conversation about learning how to understand our teen and child's feelings and actions so we can respond thoughtfully instead of reacting quickly. So, these are the, this is the question I always get, which is, how do I stop yelling? How do I get my kids to listen to me? And so, we're going to do like a, a little panel discussion with Christy and Diane and give different perspectives of this answer. So, I'm going to give mine first, which is, The reason why, first of all, we have these beliefs that we are superior. To our children or to children in general and i don't believe that to be true i think we need to treat others the way that we want to be treated so if our children want if we want to be respected by our children we have to respect our children and it doesn't mean that we need to give our power to our children it doesn't mean that we can't have boundaries with our children but really When people say to me, how do I get my children to listen to me? There's so much going on. I'm not even going to talk about like brain development and all of that. But in reality, I come from an emotional perspective. So I'm always asking people, how do you want to feel? And there's a whole process that I teach about reverse engineering how you want to feel. So you can feel connected in your relationship with your children. So if you want to feel connected and you're constantly yelling at your children, well, I'm assuming that communication style is not aligned with how you want to feel. So if you're doing it in a way that is aligned, how do I get my children to listen to me? Well, first of all, I don't believe that our children don't want to listen to us. I believe that our children have a lot going on in their own little worlds. They could be overstimulated. They could just be overwhelmed. They could just be it like focused and in the moment. And it's like, are we stopping to actually ask them like, Hey, I, I contact, can you respond to me? Like, there's so much going on there, but I just want to say from my piece of this, it's really understanding that our children are not here to not listen to us. They're not here to make our lives miserable. Their behavior is from the inside out being projected out into the world, and they don't know what's going on. We as adults barely know what's going on with our emotional state. So how can a child who is learning from an adult who doesn't have the skills of emotional regulation or emotional intelligence understand their own emotional body? Right. So once we understand that, that they are not trying to trigger us, we are being triggered, and they are simply just being a human being, having a human experience. So once we stop, manage our own anxiety and fears and overwhelm and all of that fun stuff, then we can be more present with our children. So I could talk about this for an hour in itself, but Diane, I'm curious your thoughts. So understanding your child and your teen's feelings and behaviors so you can thoughtfully react or thoughtfully uh, respond instead of react? What's your take?
1: Yeah. So, you know, we are traditionally, we are trained to look outward, right? So we're always, we're always looking at what we see on the outside. So we are very aware, or we think we are aware of what other people are thinking, what they're feeling, and we're hyper aware of their behavior. So what I like to um, bring home is shifting that focus. So notice, where is your focus? And shift that focus to here, to us. Looking at us, and what am I thinking? What am I feeling? And how am I acting? What is my behavior? So a lot of times we are trying to figure out how to get our kids to listen, how to get them to do X, y, Z, when we're very unaware of how we're communicating with them and, you know, what's going on with us. So that, it's the first piece, um, that I would say. And yeah, just what is the most, hugest shift? Um, I will say this in how I live my life and parent is understanding my emotions.
0: That's so how Just do you begin? But how do you begin to understand an emotion? So here's the thing: we have these children, right? We're we have one identity. Christy kind of alluded to this. We have one identity before we become a parent. We have children. It's nothing like we thought it would be, right? We're being triggered emotionally. There's so much going on um, at many, many times. And we're thinking, WTF? Like, what do I do? Is it me? Is it them? Like, there's so much going on. So at the core basic, how do we begin to even understand the language of emotion? Becoming aware, just becoming aware. Okay. So would you be like, okay, I asked the child the question, they didn't respond right? Then I ask myself, let's change the question. How do I get my
1: child to listen? Mm -hmm. How am I communicating? How can I be heard? Mm -hmm. Right? And really becoming aware of how am I communicating? Where am I? And where is my child? Am I across the room? Am I, you know, trying to communicate while they're involved in whatever? Um, And like you had said, Am I walking over to them? Am I putting a hand on their shoulder? Am I getting their attention first off? And then talking to them and realizing that, you know, what happens when our child is trying to get our attention, right? And we're involved with something. We're we're involved in doing, I don't know, whatever it is, writing Christmas cards, whatever it is. And they're like, mom, 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 or or just a minute, just a minute, just a minute, just a minute. We're doing the same thing, right? Because we are so involved in what we're doing. It's difficult to stop and shift. And we're asking children with underdeveloped brains to be able to do this skill. So it's really just an awareness of what am I really doing? What am I, how am I communicating? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it's important to, I mean, that would involve slowing down, right? That would involve awareness. So awareness is number one. So Christy, I want to shift this question. So you have personally supported my children and this, I never had an issue around this. I know some people may, it is not my job. Like I literally wrote a book that supports parents. I never once had a belief that I need to help my children. I need to fix my children. I know that I am here as a guide for my children, but I also know that I am not the only one that can support my child. And I'm saying that flat out because I've, I've physically heard people say that before of like, well, I can't ask for help because then I have failed as a child. So my story and as my children get older and older i like this the external stories get less and less just for their own privacy um but we've been very public and my own children have talked about this with me and said it's fine um and i've talked about unconventional education education is a very triggering topic for a lot of parents because it causes a lot of stress for their kids and overwhelm there's so much ego involved in education as well and my goal with my boys is simply um health, like mental health. I'm like, I want you to thrive as a human. And I just I want you to finish what you started, but I also want you to do this in alignment with how you learn. And the educational system, in my personal opinion, was not life enhancing for my oldest son's mental health. And so took him out, brought Christy into our lives, and it has been a godsend. Now, what is your perspective when people are talking about emotional intelligence? Because you and I have had this conversation many times where, you know, the parents are coming to you saying, help my child, help my child, help my child. How do you help a child and the parent at the same time? What is that dynamic? What do you actually see going on?
2: Yeah, so some of the things that I have noticed is when parents come to me, they're often like I can just I can sense that they are terrified. And often I notice that a lot of their fears and and whatever they have going on are fears that they're projecting onto their children. Mm-hmm. And um I'm just going to reiterate what you both said, you know, um as a leader and as a person that they look up to most in their life because you are the person that they spend the most time with, they are You know, they're looking to you and your actions um, to kind of guide them in handling their own emotions and challenges. Right. So as you said before, if we're not able to handle and regulate our own emotions, how do we expect them to do that? So when my students come to me. I'm always just making sure that, you know, I, I'm i creating that space for them to just be no matter what that looks like. Um, and I'm never trying to to rescue them, but I'm helping them by co-creating and helping them to learn like how to communicate how they are feeling. A lot of the teens that I work with and even some of the kids that are younger, they don't have the the language even to be able to communicate. So when you ask them to explain how they are feeling or when you're constantly like after them to to get them to communicate with you, Oftentimes they get frustrated because they just, they don't know, they don't know what they don't know what they haven't been taught. And, and the same goes for the parents too, right? I mean, I only learned about emotional regulation and all of, you know, how to handle my own emotions, like after I became a mom, which was what, three years ago. So at 32 years old, I'm finally aware of, you know, my emotions and my energetic body and how my emotions, um, yeah, just play a role in in all areas of my life. So yeah, yeah. I just feel like it's so important to listen um, without judgment and just let them be seen, heard, and understood. And then also to have empathy, right? Like putting yourself in their shoes. I think back to my relationship with my mom when I was a teenager, and I know that I'm. I never felt safe. Um bless my mom, she's wonderful. But I honestly didn't I never felt safe to have conversations with her for fear of being judged. And that's why I kept so much of what I was going through um, inside because I, I didn't want to express that to anybody else.
0: Okay. I'm gonna go there. So okay. I'm a mom and I can tell you all the triggering crap I've had to go through, even having my children or my oldest, work with you, Chrissy, that has nothing to do with you, but just, I mean, you've seen me go through it and I'm like telling you and processing, I'm like, I got more shit to do. I got more shit to do. and But something that you just said that I think everyone needs to write down is I didn't feel safe. Write that down. Now, I'm also going to say You can do all the work in the world to create a safe environment for your child, and your child still will not tell you everything. And the reason why they're not gonna tell you everything is sometimes it's none of your business, but also like you cannot make it about you, right? So safety is huge. Psychological safety is huge, and I'll get to that in a second. But the other part is, your child is, regardless of age, not going to tell you everything because they're human. Like, they have shame. They don't want to tell you what happened or what's going on because they're experiencing shame. Shame is, I am bad. Guilt is, I did something bad. So when you as a human being are experiencing shame, your whole existence is like, I am not worthy of existing, right? Like low self-esteem, it's incredibly heavy to wear. And when you do not understand the language, like think of emotional intelligence like a muscle and it needs to be worked out every single day. I can go into a situation right now, I can experience shame. I typically know when I'm triggered by it, I can communicate it. I can process it super quick and I can move on. Rejection, I experience rejection on the daily and I can process super quick now. It's like a little beadlet on me, okay? But when I first started um, some work, whether it was like my business or um, other areas of my life, the shame, the perfectionism, the inner world, these are big experiences for children so you can create psychological safety but that does not guarantee that they're going to tell you everything that was one of the hardest things for me as a parent as my children got older to realize that control that you have so first of all my podcast used to be called mama's in control because women wanted control and i was like control's not a feeling it's not an emotion like I want to be in control. I want to be in control. Sometimes you can get away with that, until you you give birth or adopt a specific child that will trigger the crap out of you that you're going to have no control, or a situation happens in your life and you realize that control is like an illusion, because these these children come to us in our lives. We think we have control. I mean, just scroll on the internet. I'll probably, well, I'm talking about it now. I'll probably get an ad for it of a matching, you know, set, like a Christmas dress for the mom and the child, like everything to look perfect, right? You can control for so long, but then after a while, like you can control what they eat. You can control what time they go to bed. You can, well, that's, why sleep coaching is so annoying too, right? It's like, we try to control, like you're on this schedule, you have to do this, you have to go to this school, you have to get these grades. And the more we try to control another human's behavior, the more you're asking for trouble, the more your ego is going to be angry. So I'm curious, Diane and Christy, any thoughts you have on that when it comes to controlling our children's behavior? And then Christy mentioned fear, and that's a huge part of this process. Yeah. I would
3: so, just... Oh, sorry. Yeah, we'll talk about fear after, Diane. Go ahead.
1: Okay. So, you know, I have been on both sides of this. I was a controlling parent. I, you know, traditionally, whether we're aware of this or not... Uh, traditional parenting, traditional socialization, our cultural conditioning is the goal is compliance. And so we look through this lens of control. And when we are trying to control another person and you know we do this because that's that's the cultural belief right that that was a cultural expectation even that parents are to control their children and that is outdated mm-hmm. we are in the modern world and we need modern skills so when we look through the lens of control we end up doing Things that don't feel good. Yelling, you know, taking stuff away, sending them away, you know, all of this. You know, at one time in generation when I was growing up, it was more of a physical, you know, control. Mm -hmm. And then as I went into and when I was parenting, it was more of an emotional control. So now we can't even see the effects that it's having until, usually around teenage age, when these behaviors start showing itself on the outside, in behaviors. And you know, it doesn't even have to be at teenage age, you know, a lot of them are so much younger now. Um, but that is telling us something, and what we do is we try to stop it or get it to go away. And what we're going towards is understanding where that behavior is coming from. And behavior is driven from the inside through our emotions. Um, So like Heather was saying, you know, it's so personal when it's our children, you know, because then we're going to be judged. Right, and I think one of our biggest fears is to be judged as. Well, we want to be seen as a good parent, and the other side
0: of that is a bad parent. Um, Nobody wants that. And you're bringing up some fear. I was going to say you're bringing up something, Diane, that's really important because I can see myself in that. When I started my own parenting journey, I was reflecting on my own childhood, and this is just generational, right? This isn't necessarily per situation. It's they, I believe parents do the best that they possibly can until they know. And I had so much access to so many more resources than my parents did and education and all of that. And when my children have children, they're going to say, I can't believe you did that. And I'll be like, I can't believe I did either, but it was, it was normal. Right. And so this is part of the human condition. But what I did want to say, Diane, is I I had that introspective of like, I don't want to parent the way that I was parented. And I remember thinking there has to be another way. like punishment times time out. It doesn't make sense. After this interaction with my child, I have shame and guilt. Like, that's not normal. You shouldn't feel like shit all the time when you are communicating with your children. There are ways to have conversations to create connection so that you feel like, hey, we are connected in a relationship here. This is not like me versus you. And if we we first have to change those beliefs and that conversation and the way that we interact with our children, we can still hold boundaries. We can still have natural consequence. And Diane, you talk a lot about that inside of mastery on your calls. But it's really, really important to understand that, number one, we have to completely change like the definition of how we are treating behavior as number one. Now, Christy, can we talk a little, I just want to keep moving because I know our time is going to like zap away. Um, And again, like I said, these ladies have additional podcasts and there's so many resources. Um, But Christy, how can we, okay, from a child's lens, child's perspective, parent is triggered, behavior is happening in a child or a teen, it's being projected up and out Right. We're getting phone calls from the school saying something is up. So as a parent, I'm triggered my shame, my guilt, my overwhelm, my judgment from society and the school and all the things. And the child over there is just being a human, having a human emotion. What do you see happening from the child's perspective and how fear plays a role in that?
2: Yeah. So what was coming up for me, and this is always just upon reflection of my own teen years and what always comes to surface is just, um, respecting their independence and, you know, that transition of identity that they are making. And I'm always just, you know, linking that to even just these past few years when I became a mom for the first time. So going from adult to mother and how that literally just felt like a tornado for me and i was trying to like grasp on whatever i could i had no clue what was happening and i feel like again that's the same for them right they're going from child to teen and and that inner journey can be so messy and so complex and again you just i don't even think that we have an awareness of how much actually really goes on especially if they're not willing to communicate that that with us right but just allowing them that space and again, an importance of holding boundaries. But when I say space, that's gonna look individual for each person, but space for them to make decisions and and to actually learn from those decisions and those experiences. Um, that's where I find that it really helps them to to build and to cultivate their confidence. Yeah. But yeah, and- the identity shift is is huge. And I feel like that's where a lot of the emotion is coming from. So to help them to navigate that is super important.
0: Yeah. And you you can't ask somebody like, what's wrong? and they're going to be like i just need you to know that i'm currently going through an identity shift and i'm in the middle of it and like no adults don't even have that self-awareness right so we're judging first of all we're scared because they're like they're releasing themselves from our our like interwebs our codependency with them and so we're scared so if you don't know write this down if you don't know how to manage your own fear you're just constantly projecting that. And I'm speaking from my own experience. You're constantly projecting that. And when you're projecting it, you're trying to grab on, okay? So literally for my career, I work with women all the time who are in a state of fight or flight, and they don't even know they're in a state of fight or flight. And then when you call it out, they get reactive and you're they're like no I'm not no I'm not and I'm like yes you are like you're living in this chronic state of survival mode or fight or flight the older you get typically the more responsibility you get and if you're not doing this work you're living in this constant chaos if you don't know how to calm your mind and feel like focused and grounded you're living in this constant state if you don't have the emotional intelligence skills so when your children are growing and shifting their identity here you are terrified, scared, projecting that onto them, triggering your own childhood wounds that you never looked at. And then they're just trying to navigate who they are in the world. And the number one thing that has been the biggest kind of like spiritual growth opportunity for me, there's been many as a parent, but lately the number one thing is that Like this human, like I actually have no control over. I don't, I have no control over the clothes they wear. I have no control over the career that they choose. I, the food that they eat. I am just a guide. I can be a a pretty solid guide for this individual. I can have a really good influence in their life, but You have to walk the line of not emotionally manipulating your children either, right? Of like, because you do have a lot of power over them and they're still trying to learn their own power. So it's a very sticky situation. It's one step in front of the other. And you just, there's no negative benefits of doing your own inner work. All your relationships improve. So we are going to like, again, the time is going to fly by, but I know everyone's really thinking about this topic, co-parenting. So this is such a triggering topic, so let's get into it. We have like 10 minutes to talk about co-parenting. My definition of co-parenting is there's typically an egg and a sperm um, that is required to create another human being, and sometimes people go into it single-parenting, like just being like, I don't know who the uh, the sperm was. I mean, if you had like some procedure or something, but my point is there's other humans, other adults that you are typically co-parenting with. So I, I do not necessarily mean traditional like male, female in a home, there's a separation and now you have to co-parent. It could be people together. My point is these are adults who are parenting together, okay? Number one, we've already hinted around to it, but no two humans are going to parent together. I find, and I'm just gonna call myself out, women to be incredibly controlling. I find women to be incredibly controlling. We are emotional creatures. And the number one thing that I had to learn as a woman Co parenting with a man was that men and women are designed differently, like their actual brains are designed differently. And just because I am reading the conscious parenting books and taking the courses and doing the inner work, it is not my responsibility to manipulate somebody else's behavior for them to change. Now, when I see a co-parent that is not necessarily being uh, parenting in a healthy way or something that is aligned with how I want to parent, I mean, this I could write a whole book on my own co-parenting journey, Um, but I'm telling you right now, number one, you cannot control anyone else's behavior. So Diane and Christy, I am curious, maybe Diane go first, just your like experience or definition with co-parenting. Um, and I guess the advice you give to people who are, um, struggling in that relationship. Cause I hear yeah. this all. And
1: everybody wants to know this, right? <laughs> How yeah. do I get my partner on board? You don't. Um, so yeah, just like you said, we are two different humans. So you have two humans parenting a child or you know, whoever the whoever
0: the um yeah it could even be a grandparent, like right, my mother lives with us, so there's whatever parent, yeah, diversity um, in And exactly we cannot
1: control the relationship that your child has with these other adults. The only relationship you have control in is how you Show up in that relationship. So, how do you want that relationship to be between you and your child? And that is where you focus your attention and take ownership of what is mine to own, which is always our thoughts, our feelings, our behavior, Mm -hmm. and let go and see others as capable and your child as capable of handling their own feelings um, around this. They are going to have other relationships and you don't get to control that. Um, They will have their experience if we don't get to control their their experience. Um, They get to experience lots of
0: different types of relationships. Mm -hmm. Diane, have you had a personal experience or have seen this with the people you've worked with that when you've changed the other, and I mean, again, so many different situations when it comes to co-parenting, that the other person started to change as well.
1: Mm, yeah, totally.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yes and and I will say, you know, when you allow other people to have their own journey, they will choose when it's their time, um, and if we're trying to control that, it, it just doesn't feel good. And, and then there's defense, and defense, you know, is the first act of war. Defense um, breaks down our relationships. So, yeah, turn that focus, noticing where you're focusing, turn it to you and own what is yours to own and let go of what's not. And it is incredibly freeing. It is it is incredibly uncomfortable because we do want to control. We do want to control everything. Um, but it's incredibly freeing when you can allow yourself
0: to sit in your own discomfort and move through that. I remember one... Um Somebody who came through the mastery program and her number one challenge was parenting. She has four children. And I don't know how many years ago. I want to say it was like four years ago or so. She came in and she's like, I, you know, if I'm going to be honest, I'm going to tell you my secret. My secret is I don't enjoy being a mother. And so she became, um, she would overwork because she felt parenting was incredibly stressful for her. And so she's like, that was like my escape from it. And she had so much shame around that statement. And it actually took her years to tell me that. And she only told me after she kind of released some of her shame around that story. And one of the other challenges was Her husband at the time was incredibly explosive and he also worked outside of the house um, for months at a time. So when she's doing all of this inner work, he would come home from work like after being weeks away and would reenter the home and the energy changed. Right. The energy changed because she was actively working on it. So I want you to think about your relationship with your child as like, like an ecosystem. Like, you know, you're putting a plant in. I always stare at my garden outside. Well, there's nothing in it right now, but like you're putting your plant in the soil. Your children are these plants and like you're just nurturing the soil. So somebody leaves, you come back in. And they're like, what the hell happened? Like, the energy is completely, the dynamics are completely different in this home. I don't belong here anymore. There was two things that she did that made great success. One was she never tried to change his behavior and she let him feel his own feelings. And she worked consistently on this. She's like, I have control with the relation, my own inner turmoil with parenting and learning conscious discipline and learning how to like, you know, connect with these children on a deeper level. Once she did that work, his behaviors actually got a little bit bigger. And I don't know if anyone has like resonated with this. His relationships got a little, or his behaviors got a little bit bigger. And then um, they actually, he had his own breakthrough. And so because she kept doing the inner work, it was like, It brought everything that she was kind of managing for him, right? Because she was trying to make everyone's life comfortable. I don't know how many of you try to do this, but she was trying to, like, tamper the situation for everybody. Once she reflected on herself, worked on the relationship with the kids... His stuff got bigger and then he had his breakthrough too. So she never tried to control his behavior. She continued doing the inner work. She felt her feelings to like the extreme that she was supposed to do. Incredible healing, connection with her kids. And then he decided to come on board. And that's truly all we can do. Christy, I'm curious your opinion
2: on this. I feel like you, I know you weren't talking about me, but I feel like you almost (laughs) were. Um, Because I can relate to that so much. I was just about to add to that just to, create capacity. And I know this to be true because this is what I've had to do over the last four ish years now on my own journey. Um, yeah. After I became a mom, I um, I ultimately decided to let go and release of a lot of toxic patterns I had in my life. And this is what always comes up for me is just the fact that, um, yeah, I became sober um, from drugs and alcohol, but um, I still struggle in my relationship. I mean, even still today a little bit, but not nearly as much um, as we have in the past, but yeah, that relationship with my husband has been incredibly challenging. And I do recognize looking back and reflecting on it, that when I was trying to control and when I was trying to push all of my new perspectives and all of my new beliefs onto him, it was not helping in any way. Um, but when I continued to just show up for myself and do the things to uh, fill my cup first, I um, Yeah. I'm starting to notice now that, I mean, and although it has taken almost nearly four years, he is, I'm finally starting to see um, a shift in his energy. He actually talks about his energy and he's just, he's showing up a lot differently for himself. And I can see that that's because it came from a place of him being ready and he wasn't forced to do the work.
0: Yes. And it's, it's water on a rock, right? They say the five people you hang out with, you are the sum of the five people you hang out with. So then I think, well, three of them are, 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 boys. Like it's, you know, I got four of them and my mother in the house. So it's like, are those my five people? Cause I'm hanging out with them all the time. But the point of that is, is we do affect each other. Like how we energetically show up on a daily basis truly makes an impact in our relationships, whether it's a work relationship or a personal relationship. And when you are energetically becoming more aligned with how you want to feel, because that is at the core of everything that I will preach and talk about forever, like then you have more capacity, more time and energy to be focused and present. But this shit is not emotionally comfortable, hence the reason why my podcast is called emotionally uncomfortable. Diane, what is your biggest takeaway today? Christy, what's your biggest takeaway? And then for those of who are listening who are like, okay, great. Like I get it, but I'm ready for the next step. I'm going to talk about that in a sec. But Diane, as you like, I'm sure, you know, reminders, this isn't a one and done. You're getting some reminders today too. So what's your takeaway? And then Christy. Um yeah.
1: So I think just um wasn't
0: prepared for that question. (laughs) Let's go to Christy first. So (laughs) then you can think like just the number Number one one thing that's sticking with you.
2: Yeah. The number one thing that is sticking with me and that has always stuck with me over the last four years is just that like having a solid foundation is so important. And for me, that just looks like trust and communication. So constantly reminding our children that they can come to us, that they can trust us. Um, and that they can communicate whatever they need to whenever they are ready and feel, you know, that they they need to and want to do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that is like big work to create that safe space. I'm sure you do it on the daily. Well, both of you have as teachers, right? To create that deep, like safe space that takes a lot of inner work to have the energetic capacity to do that. Diane?
2: Well, and I would and say I, for me too, just trust that you're always doing your best. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And I
0: think for me too, just the reminder
1: that, um, even us as adults aren't necessarily, um, able to regulate our emotions because that's not what we were taught. So I was in my mid forties when I started to understand or, you know, be, come into my awareness um about emotional regulation. So I don't want you to, you know, feel like this is your fault or you should already know this. this is, no. Um, but you do get to know it now. And it is a beautiful journey with everything, all mm-hmm. the ups and downs.
3: I love this.
0: Um for those of you who are listening, post your takeaway in the chat below um because we will we will share them publicly but also um just when it's interesting i think we believe as humans that there's this like end game and i the biggest myth i bought into um early on and i tell this to like new parents all the time and they're like thanks heather thanks a lot i'm like i'm i'm here to tell you the truth but it's this mi- this myth that like it gets easier i think you get a better night's sleep maybe Maybe not because then you're worried about them and like where they are when they're older. But my point is, I think I just podcast about this. I don't know when it goes out. I said parenting to me is like an endurance event that I didn't know I signed up for. Like it's like a race you didn't know you signed up for where you're like, I'm not a marathon runner. And I'm like, damn, I'm running this, this marathon and you have to constantly, it is incredibly humbling. I think when you can get, Diane alluded to this, when you can get out of that old paradigm of parenting and go, what are my children here to teach me? Like any workaholic, anyone that's like, I don't have time for this. You can say you don't have time for this work all you want until one day you wake up and you have no relationship with your children. It is an actual relationship. And one of my biggest fears is that my children are going to get older. And and I say fears. I still have fears, too. I just try not to parent from that place. I just try to be aware of them. Sometimes they do get, you know, the hold of me and then my kids will call me out on it which is such a beautiful gift that my children can actually feel safe enough to call me out sometimes they're trying to manipulate me but but I can ride that line where they can call me out they're like you're doing it again and I'm like thank you and then sometimes I'm like you're just saying that cuz you want extra like screen time or you want me to like you know let you off the hook for something so you can develop this deep deep relationship with your children. But my point of why I'm saying all of this is the fears that I have, you know, they're still there. And I don't want to become an adult, an empty nester with my children outside of the house and me not having a relationship with them. I'm also very aware that I'm raising three boys and I, regardless of who they fall in love with, if it is female, um, I know that she most likely is going to have more control <laughs> in the relate. If they end up with anyone like me, they're going to have more control in the relationship. So if she doesn't like me, then I'm probably never going to see my boys again, right? Like understanding the dynamics there is like, those are so precious to me. And then it's also really helped me heal other relationships, like seeing my mother-in-law in a different situation, in a different scenario. So my point is, life is relationships. Parenting is a relationship. The relationship we have to our, our emotions, that is a sacred relationship. And if we do not accept that this is a daily, um, this is like daily work, then we will constantly be in a battle of f- like feeling like parenting is incredibly hard. I don't believe parent parenting doesn't feel hard for me. I believe everything is emotionally uncomfortable in some seasons break me, bring me to my knees. But when I put a different shift on it and I really, really see that there's possibility like that I'm being taught something, it helps me grow on a personal level, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Um, the last thing I wanted to say is I know Jessica is here. If anyone is interested in working within our community, I'm just going to put the link down below. You can apply. It's Heather Chauvin, C H A U V I N dot com forward slash join. It's a simple application. And then we'll have a conversation with you. Um, we, we look or I look and we have coaches in there. It's one on one support. It's pretty intense. Um, we have. We look at you and we look at your child or your situation and what's going on. And the reason why it's such a holistic perspective is because when I started working with people with parenting, then it was like, I don't have time. I don't have the energy. My relationships are breaking down. I hate my career. I don't have the money. And it's like, I believe parenting is like a gateway to li- like thriving and living your best life. I have never been healthier or more happy in my entire life because I chose to kind of run towards this shit show called parenting and learn all of the lessons that it has brought. Um, and I've also had to learn advocacy. I've had to really stand up and advocate for my children and the educational system and the healthcare system. Um, it's, it's not easy and you definitely shouldn't be doing it alone. So, um, Heather Chauvin, dot com forward slash join. I do see some like, we have a few minutes and I see some people on here. I see, well, Heather Fawcett. I don't know. You've been in my world for a while. I don't know if you want to talk for a few minutes, but you were like, you were like one of my biggest
4: success stories. And I'm so grateful oh, to see your face. I'm sorry to report. It has all gone to hell. No, I'm just oh, kidding. perfect. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> Hi everyone. I know it's been Hi. years and years. So my son, I think was four when we worked together and now he's 13, Heather. He's 13. Oh, my gosh. Like I know. So big transition coming into high school. So I feel like it's this chapter is it's time to go back and relearn. And there's all new lessons there. So we're doing really well, but yes, it's, um, it's uh, an evolution. And I feel like I'm in a whole new phase of life. I know your boys are teenagers now too, and almost on the other end. So. I feel like
0: a lot of, yeah, it's the same thing. Like the 13, 14 is a whole, you're like, okay, I thought I knew everything. And then it's like, let's just shake up the bag
4: and let's relearn everything. It's a new, Um, a new level. And I have a big birthday. I'm turning 50 this year. So I feel like it's uh, this it's, it's big, big stuff's coming my way. So I love how you um quoted that you just run towards, run towards the shit storm, like run into yeah. it as opposed to, I feel like right now it's chasing me. <laughs> I'm trying yes. to, I'm trying to out, outrun it. So thank you for that reminder. And, and Heather is fantastic. And anything you do with her will be magical in life. Trans- um, transforming. So I love that. What was
0: your <laughs> takeaway, Heather?
4: Like just one little uh, nugget that's sticking I, with you. I put that um, I, uh, deep down. I still want to control everybody, even though I, um, I I know how to say all the right things. And I can sometimes convince myself otherwise. Then I look at my own behavior, and I'm still trying to control the beings in my house, the the dogs that uh, you could know, trying to control. Everyone, because when it were when that happens, then things are easier for me. Yeah. So this just even just hearing your voice voice, I think triggers me back to a lot of the lessons I had with you. And that is that release of control and putting the energy back inwards and really trying to see what are the lessons, be curious about it. Um, instead of just seated in in fear and in control. So that's my I love away. that.
0: I heard somewhere, this is not my quote. Overthinking is underfeeling, and I feel like that with control as well. And I notice it in myself because I'm a human. This is all about self awareness, self coaching, and course correcting. When I'm con- trying to control something or I feel restrictive, it's because I'm not feeling something. And so I think that's a huge takeaway as well. Um, Megan, I see your video off, and I just wanted—I'm curious. You've been in my world for a while too. If you have any takeaways, I think you posted something here.
3: Is my video off
0: or which Megan? Sorry. You're Megan. Yep. Your video. It's not off. It's on. Sorry.
3: Oh, okay. I was going to say I see myself. Um, Yeah. It's just so interesting because obviously, you know, I worked with you, you know, well, I feel like I'm still working with you, just not in your immediate community, but, um, you know, years ago, and this is where like my transformation began was with my parenting. And then I felt like I got to such a good place with it. And then, you know, was able to start healing and working on other areas of my life. And even like a month ago, I would have told you like, yeah, no, I like the parenting thing. It's still so great. And literally just in the last month or so, as my oldest is, you know, 14 and in grade nine, and all of a sudden I feel like I am right back to the beginning and like I said in the chat, like fear, so much fear. It took me a, a little while to realize that it is fear that's coming up for me. And um, kind of what you were talking about, like fear of like, what if what if I lose connection with her after all these years of trying to create that connection? What if now I, I'm about to lose it because I can feel her pulling away from me and I'm like doing everything I can to pull her in, which is actually pushing her further? away. And then like, you know, what if she doesn't make good decisions? What if she goes down the wrong path? What if she, you know, starts getting caught up in, you know, behaviors that will cause her to drop out of school and, you know, start doing drugs and she lives on the streets and all of a sudden she has no. Oh yeah. Worst case case scenario. scenario. Right. And I, and now I'm like coming from that place every day. Like she's being disrespectful. Oh my gosh. Is she now going to be disrespectful for her entire life? And if I don't, squash this behavior now it's going to affect her into her adult life it's it's crazy how i can just go down that rabbit hole so quickly mm-hmm. i think because i'm realizing the years that i have left with her at home now are so little compared to 5 6 years ago i felt like i had all this time to yeah. you know help them and now i'm like time's coming to an end and i have to let go
0: and i'm not ready to yeah Thank you for sharing that. Um, and just, you know, we have to let go of the belief. And I know this is not your scenario, Megan, but this is just what it brings up for me. We have to let go of the belief that I'm going to do X, Y, Z, then life will be check the box. It's going to be perfect. We are constantly evolving as humans. We are constantly evolving as people. And so are our children. And so are the people that we are in relationship with in any capacity. And so if we are not mastering, hence the reason why my program is called Mastery, if we are not mastering the foundation, right? You're going to be in a season and then it's just like a cycle and you're like, okay, we're here again. But this is where you develop deep self trust with yourself. And this is where confidence comes in. Cause you're like, I've been here once before. I can do this again. It's just a different perspective, a different lens, but I have to double down on what I know has worked and just keep at it. So it doesn't matter if it's your health, if it's your relationships, if it's your financial health, if it's like anything in your life, if we are not investing in it, like time and energy, then it's not going to grow. And the beauty of that is, um, we can get that connection back with ourselves, with other people. But it's definitely not going to look like the way we want it to, right? We have to let go of the ego and let go of control of the process. But if you are willing to change, change will happen. That is 100% guarantee. Because every single time I am willing to change, I'm like, this area of my life, of my life, has to change and I start investing in it time and energy. And if I need support, then I hire support. Um, it always changes, but it never looks the way that I wanted it to. And I think that is the scariest part about parenting is the perception that we think we have more control than we actually do. But when we can sit in front of our children and see them as this beautiful soul having a human experience and love them for all parts of themselves, um, even the parts that scare the shit out of us, we realize they're triggering our deepest wounds and that's the beauty and, um, kind of the spiritual practice parenting. So thank you everyone for being here. Thank you, Christy. Thank you, Diane. And I hope you all have a beautiful day. Talk soon. I sometimes joke that I wish I taught people how to make green smoothies for a living. But I know I'm doing that because I'm trying to run away from what brings me joy. And what brings me joy is helping women and men, families in general, and children feel alive. And sometimes that journey to feeling alive is painful. It's emotionally uncomfortable, and it's not always easy. This is why I created the Aligned Life Quiz. So if you're tired of being tired, you want to stop just surviving, and you want to find out exactly where to focus and access realistic tools to confidently manage your energy, emotions, and impact, you can head on over to Heather Chauvin, C-H-A-U-V-I-N.com forward slash life quiz. It takes you two minutes, and it's going to show you. I call them internal leadership skills. Where do you need to focus your energy and attention for the quickest results? And also, which phase are you living in? So head on over to com forward slash life quiz to take the aligned life quiz right now. If you're ready to stop just surviving and you want to start thriving, but you don't know how to manage it all, go there. It will take you two minutes and it will change your life. I also, on the inside, show you which podcast episodes to listen to based on your quiz results. HeatherChauvin.com forward slash life, L-I-F-E, quiz.